Is it all right if I teach from down here tonight? Can you guys all see me? Okay, it feels so far removed when you stand up on the stage. It's like a huge gap. But um, like Pastor Lindy said, my name is Andrew. I, I get to work with the youth here at The Rock, and that is such a pleasure because I love students. They've got so much energy and excitement, and it's such a, a pivotal season where growing up, they're searching for their identity and looking to find it. And oftentimes, they'll try and find it at school or in groups or in activities or hobbies. And we're excited to get to help them anchor themselves in the Word of God and who Christ is. And so it's, it's such a, a pleasure for me to get to work with students because I feel like it gets the best return on investment. Like everything that we pour into them, we don't always see it immediately, but in time, like that becomes a, a huge foundation for who they become as adults. And, and we're so excited for that. And so shameless plug, if you're interested in doing any of those things, like we'd love to have you on our team. Um, tonight, uh, Pastor Zach, uh, my, my other half, is over there, and he's working with the students, and they're having a great night. In a few weeks, I don't know if it's next week or in a few weeks, he'll be in here, and we're going to bring all the students, and so you'll get to see a little bit of how we do things, and, and that'll be fun and a treat for you guys. Um, tonight, if, if you're the note-taking type of person, you could title this message, I Have Always Loved You. I Have Always Loved You. We're going to be looking at sort of a a unique piece of scripture we're going to be looking in Malachi. Malachi is this small sliver of a book of the Bible right at the end of the Old Testament, and it's only got a couple chapters, and it's easy to miss, and there's not a lot of like sermons that come from it, not a lot of reading plans like based out of it. Uh, it's often overlooked because it's small, and it's just sort of like pertaining to that time. But tonight we're going to look at it through the lens of, of where we are today and how we live today, and I'm, I'm really excited to get into that. Before we jump into that, though, you can start flipping and thumbing or, or scrolling however you do your Bible. Um, I just want to see sort of like a, a general poll. How many are parents in the room? Okay, awesome. I've recently joined the club, and I want to say thank you. Yeah, this is super awesome. They've got a, a couple pictures. My wife and I, we just had our little girl. Her name's Ryan Kate. Ryan Kate Justice Nemeth. And she's super cute, and so we're learning so much about so many things. And so I want to say, like, this club is way cool. It's super exclusive, and at the same time, so hard, but so worth it. Um, we get, Luna and myself get asked a lot, like, you know, as new parents, like, oh, well, you know, how would, how would you describe it? Like, what has it been like? And what we've settled on most recently and what we've liked to say, and Luna came up with this, so I have to give her all the credit, but she says it's a privilege. And I think that's a really great way of, of summing it up. Being a parent is a privilege because it's not always fun and it's very rarely easy um, and it's a lot of hard and it's a lot of sleeplessness. Um, but at the end of every day, or I guess like early in the morning, depending when the day ends, uh, it is still a privilege and it's so great. And so I'm learning so much. And so a little bit of tonight will be based out of what I'm learning as a new dad. Uh, they they say, well, if you want to learn a lot about yourself, you can get married because your spouse will tell you, like, all your imperfections. Um, but they say, if you want to learn a lot about God's love, like, you have children. And that's been so true for me personally. Uh, as we've had Ryan Kate, it's just exploded my heart to understand a little bit more of what a father's love is. And so tonight, as we look at an Old Testament scripture through the lens of the New Covenant, we're going to be looking at the father's love for us. And so I'm very excited for this. Uh, for Luna and I... Um, Let's see, Ryan Kate, was her due date was January uh, 5th, if I remember correctly. January 5th. And so for Christmas, my parents had flown in to spend Christmas with Luna and myself. And so it was December 25th, 
and we're at home, and um, we just finished up like a sort of a big Christmas dinner. That's sort of tradition in my family. And we're eating, and after you eat, like the next best thing to do if, if you don't want to take a nap is you go and watch a movie. Now, it's about like 7 o'clock in the evening, and we finish this big dinner, and Luna's like feeling strange. Like she's not sure how to like articulate it, but she's feeling strange. And then she comes over like sort of discreetly, and she's like, I think, I think something's going on. And I was like, okay, like what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. She's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go up to the bedroom for a little bit and, like, see, like, what happens. And I'm like, okay, well, me and my parents are going to watch a movie. And she's like, all right. So we start watching the movie. And my parents on, on my side, uh, we, don't, we don't have, they didn't have any grandchildren yet. Ryan and Kate is their first. And they are over the moon about it. Like, so, so excited. And so we're starting, like, I'm, we're watching the movie. Luna's texting me from upstairs. And she's like, I kind of think my water broke. And I'm like... I have no idea. Like I, don't, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to text to this. I don't know how to confirm that. And so, um, so she's like, you know, I'm going to just rest upstairs and sort of see what happens. And I'm like, okay, we're going to keep watching the movie? Like, like, I don't know what to do. And so uh, we're watching the movie. We get maybe half or three-quarters of the way, and Luna's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was my water. Um, I think that, like, I think I'm starting to feel contractions. And I'm like, okay. But because I know how excited my parents are about having a grandbaby, if I let on that, that these things might be happening, they're going to take it to the extreme. We're going to load up the car right then. We're going to go to the hospital. And if nothing happens, like, they're going to be so disappointed because they, like, they cannot wait. My mom, the whole time she had been here, had been drop, dropping hints of, like, wouldn't it be great if Ryan Kate came early? And, like, wouldn't it be great if she delivered while we were here? And I was like, yeah, it would. But, like, we've still got a whole week and a half. Like, this, I don't think it's going to come this early. And so we're watching the movie, and then the texts start coming, like, quicker and quicker. Like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, we're about to have this baby. Luna is texting me, and I'm like, um, okay. And so I, I don't know what to do, and I'm like, like, how, when do we need to go to the, to the hospital? Like, I don't fully understand what the timeline is on these things. I don't, because I hear some stories of women in labor for, like, a day and a half, and I'm like, okay, like, do we need to rush this? Like, are you good for a little while? And she's like, I think we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, well, there's only 20 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> I did. I did. That was awful of me. But Luna is a trooper, and so she's like, okay. <laughs> and so the movie ends, and my parents are like, okay, well, we're going to turn in for the night. And I'm like, all right. And so we're all headed upstairs. They're brushing teeth and getting glasses of water and all those things you do before bed. And, and Luna and I come out of our bedroom, and we've got two, like, like duffel bags, like our go bags. And my mom's like, where are you guys going? <laughs> All of a sudden, just like, we're going to bed. Like, why do you have duffel bags? And I was like, oh, like, no reason. Um, I think we're going to go to the hospital and just see, like, if the baby's coming. <laughs> and tried to say it as, like, nonchalant as I could. And she did, like, she, it didn't phase her for a second. She wasn't like, oh, okay. And then, like, she knew exactly. She's like, okay, David, my dad's name, David, we're going to the hospital. And he's like, what happened? Did Luna fall? Like, he was thinking it was something bad. No idea that, like, baby was coming. And so... Um, we all got in the car. Sure enough, just as I anticipated, my parents are, like, over the moon, and they insist on coming with us, and, like, they're so, so excited. We get to the hospital. It's about, like, 10 o'clock by the time they get us checked in and all these different things. They confirm, yes, Luna's water has broken. They're going to keep us for the night because the baby is, is on its way, and, and so we just sort of, like, hunker in ready for, like, the event, whatever, like, entails. And so my parents are in the waiting room, and they're waiting patiently, and Luna and I are in some sort of hospital room. I don't know what they call them. And we're there, 
And now it's just a long waiting game where the doctors and the nurses come in and they're checking. They're like, okay, good. Like, just keep waiting. Like, keep breathing and stuff. And finally, around like two in the morning, contractions are hard. And so Luna's like, you know what? I need an epidural. And I'm like, you do it. Like, already she has been braver and stronger than I could have been. And so I'm like, yes, let's, let's both get epidurals. Let's just do this. Anesthesiologist comes in, she's having contractions, but the baby's not coming yet, and so it's just sort of this waiting some more, and so finally, like, the drugs kick in, which thank God for those, and the nurses are like, go ahead and get some rest, and so I, I fall asleep on the couch, and Luna's just sort of there, like, kind of in pain, because epidural helps, but it's not everything, and so she's still feeling some of it and whatever, so hours go by, we wake up, it's like six in the morning, and the nurses are, are still checking her, and they're like, okay, I think we're about ready. And we're like, okay, what, is, like, what does that mean? And so they're like, well, just like, hang on. Doctor will be in in a bit. So finally around 7 o'clock, they're like, yes, we're ready. Let's do this thing. You can start pushing. And so the nurses were so great. They're coaching my wife through all this. And I'm just standing there like a buffoon. Like I'm just, I have no idea how to help. I'm just standing there pretending to breathe too. And I'm watching and I'm like, we're doing so great. <laughs> I'm not doing anything, but we're doing okay. And then, and then, like, it's a whole blur, and I'm not going to go into details, but, but there's this moment when, when Ryan Kate comes out, and the doctor catches her and throws her back on, on Luna. And it was so beautiful. And myself, my personality, um, sort of my temperament, those who know me well, I'm not very emotional. I can be animated, like, when I'm speaking, but at home, like by myself, I'm just not an emotional person. I have very, like a medium range, not low lows, not high highs. I'm just always real, like steady, consistent, and like my emotions don't flex much. The moment the doctor caught Ryan Kate and put her back on Luna, I just exploded in tears. Like I had no, no words for the emotions that I felt, and I, and I couldn't understand it, and I couldn't contain myself, and I couldn't compose myself. I kept having to like step away from the bedside and like do some like labor breathing. And then, and then I'd be like, okay, I've got this. And I'd come back and I'd just be like, ah, and I'd just start all over again. And it was, it was so incredible. I've never felt that much emotion. I've never felt that much love for, for anyone, for anything, in any moment. I, I honestly think I could, I could win the Powerball and still not feel that emotional. Like it was, it was incredible. Things that I'm sure people could write entire books about and, and still not fully grasp it. It was absolutely um, magical, and it was so, so wonderful. Ryan Kate, at that point, had done absolutely nothing for me, had caused some pain and some, like, sleeplessness, and, like, that was it, and then, like, months later, like, the hospital bills came in, and so, like, now it's, like, she's cost me money and time and sleep, and I still have so much incredible love for her, and I've, she hasn't done anything for me, and I don't understand it. It's not logical. It goes so so far beyond that, this tie between like a father and a, and a daughter, a father and a child, it's so, so incredible. And so I'm excited to be a part of this new club. I, I'm beginning to understand what many of you know. Um, but tonight I wanted, to be, I wanted to tell that story and to have that moment fresh in our minds, maybe for many of you when, when you had your first child, and then to be able to look at this scripture and, and see what God says about us and, and hopefully unlearn some of the things that that maybe we picked up rightfully or wrongfully taught or, or just inherited. And I want to look at, at some of these things. So if you have your Bibles and, and you've opened to Malachi, Malachi chapter 1, 
we're going to look at these first two verses, and we're going to focus primarily on, on verse number two. But Malachi chapter one says this. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. So Malachi, being a prophet, he hears for the people on behalf of God, uh, and then he gives them this message. At the time, the people of Israel were God's people. Today, and like I would mentioned, Old Testament and New Testament, we'll get into some of those differences. The Old Testament, there was just one like ethnic group of people that God had a covenant and a relationship with. Now today, it spans race and, and ethnicity, and it's all different things. It's, it's Christians, and it's people who have a relationship with God. And so in Old Testament context, these are the people of God, and God is talking to the people of God. And this is what he says in verse 2. I have always loved you, says the Lord. But you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. And it goes on, it says, I loved your ancestor Jacob. Now again, Old Testament. So Old Testament, these are people trying to uh, sort of work their way to having a right relationship with God. New Testament is God working his way to people to have a right, right relationship with him. And so it's totally opposite sides of the coin. Um, all of Old Testament points to the promise of Jesus and to the new covenant that we have today, and it's a, it's a beautiful, special thing. So in this context, God is saying, I've loved you, I've always loved you. And the people are like, how, really? Like, how have you loved us? And then he goes on and he talks about some of the things that he did. And in living in a new covenant, we look at that old covenant, and we're like, that doesn't really make sense, that's silly. It sort of goes on, he says, I loved your ancestor, and I destroyed this other guy. And, and so like for us reading today, we're like, that doesn't really make sense. In the context, that was significant to them at that time and, and stuff that was significant. But what we want to look at is that first part of Malachi verse 2. He says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. And I think that's so incredible. Understanding now a little bit of a father's love, I have always loved Ryan Kate. From that, from that birth moment where I was just overcome with emotion to even now, which only been a short while and it's, and it's already flying by, but I've never not stopped loving her. Even when, like, we've had diaper blowouts and, like, had to wash the clothes and the sheets and, like, scrub the mattress. Like, when we've had bad moments and when she's trying and when she's finding her voice. Like, she's just now got, she's three months and she's learning how to laugh. And she smiles with, like, this toothless grin. And it's incredible. And so worst moments and best moments, I've always loved her. And I'm finding a scripture now in, in Malachi where God is saying, I've always loved you. And I just think, oh my gosh, like if I could really understand that, it would totally transform me. If I really understood like the depth of that, I think it would be phenomenal. Last week, we, I was in with the youth and, uh, and we were doing worship and all the youth students are so incredible. They engage and, and even as you saw up here, like the children with the flags, like young people just get it and it so excites me. But we had this one group of students that were in the back and, and they weren't quite getting it. They were in the back, and, and I don't know if it was whether they just had a rough day and they didn't feel like being there, or maybe they were a little distant from God and they didn't know how to interact. But for whatever reason, they were back there, and they were just sort of talking amongst themselves and kind of goofing off and, and not really having any, any grid or any real understanding for what was happening on the stage and what was happening in the environment and in the room. And I was watching them, and, and the the old part of me that grew up in Texas and sort of that Bible belt and, and a little bit of a religious Christianity uh, was looking at them and was thinking, like, don't they understand? Like, we're supposed to be worshiping. Like, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And in my head, like, I'm kind of getting onto them. And I'm like, they don't get it. Like, they're missing out. Like, all these, you know, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And I just kept coming back to that. 
And God stopped me and he said, I really love them. And I was like, yeah, I know you love them, God, but, but they're, not, you know, they're not doing what the rest of us are doing. They're not worshiping like they're supposed to. And I kept coming back to this. And God was like, no, like, I don't think you understand. Like, I really love them. And I was like, no, God, they're not doing the things they're supposed to do. In my mind, over here in, in this side of things, thinking that you have to do what, what you're supposed to do for God to love you. And God in that moment was showing me, no, 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 I am so crazy about them. Like, I've never loved them more than this moment right now. And I'm thinking, but they're not doing it right. And he kept telling me, no, 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 I love them. Like, I'm so excited for them. And it took me a while because I think I'm a little dense and I didn't quite get it. And I'm still just sort of having this dialogue with God of like, but they're not doing it. And he just keeps coming back, but I love them so much. And so I'm starting to see this Malachi where he says, I've always loved you. I'm seeing it in the students, and I'm seeing it in my life, and I'm seeing it in my baby girl. God has always loved us. And it's not this thing of of doing it right or being good enough or earning it. It's I've always loved you, period. No qualifying statements, no ifs and thens, no, like, bartering of, like, well, I've always loved you when you did this one thing. It was just I've always loved you. Like, even on our worst days, God still loves us. And that was so transformative in my heart because of, like I sort of mentioned earlier, I'm trying to unlearn some of these things. And God's walking me through this progress and through this process where some of the old things that were ingrained in me, I'm realizing aren't, aren't the full truth. It's true that God loves us, and I knew that much. But I had sort of twisted it in my heart to sort of put these human characteristics projected onto God where I thought, well, like, you know, people love me when I do good things, and people love me when I score well or when I perform well or when I'm nice or when I'm generous, but they don't love me when I'm selfish or when I'm at my worst. And I'm realizing in this process that God loves me even on my worst days. And so this has been transforming. I'm hoping that tonight begins to illuminate something in you. But as we look at this Malachi verse, I want to sort of focus on it in the three parts that it's written in. The first being, I've always loved you. But in that next part, it says... um, it says, I've always loved you, and, and the people retort. They're like, really? How, how have you loved us? I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Psalms 143. I think they've got it up here. Psalms 143, verse 8. He says, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. God's love is totally unfailing. And some of these things that I'm, that I'm unlearning, I talked about how like, we have to be performing well or doing well. Um, some of the other ones that, I've, that I'm finding that God is unlearning for me is those moments when I, I mess up or I make a mistake and I think that I have to, like there's a time period where like, you know, if I mess up small, then, you know, I wait a few hours before I can be like chummy or friendly with God. If I mess up big, like, ooh, I got to wait a couple days, sort of let him cool off because he's probably really angry at me. And I'm realizing that's not, like that's totally bogus. Other ones is um, things that I'm trying to unlearn is that God loves me, but he doesn't always like me. Like, there are moments when I know, like, I love my sister, but she irritates me, and I don't like her. I know that there's moments when I love people, but I don't always like them. And so I project that onto God, and I'm learning as God's walking me through this, that he's not like that. He's not fickle, and his emotions don't change, and it's not that he loves us, but doesn't always like us. That's totally false. Another one is that Sometimes I think I'm just one more person that's sort of begging God for something. And I see this in the way that I pray. 
Sometimes when I'll pray, I'll, I'll make it sound like I want something more than God wants it. I'll be praying for a family member and thinking, God, like, if they could just know you the way that you want them to know you, if they could just understand your love the way I'm beginning to understand your love, and I'm praying for it like I'm trying to convince God that, God, this would be a really good thing. Like, this person could turn out really great if they just knew you more. Or this person would, would be fantastic if, you know, if they got healed or if this happened in their life. And God's like, I want that thing way more than you do. I want to see that person healed or that person come to know me or that person understand my love way more than, than I want that thing. And so, again, he's like he's retraining my mind and sort of I'm having to unlearn a few things that I'm not just someone like begging God. I'm not just one more person that God's like, oh, I've got this whole to-do list and Andrew keeps adding to it. It's not that at all. It's that he loves us and he's so in love with us. And the things that we want that are part of his heart, he wants them even more than we do. Luna's dad is absolutely incredible at, at demonstrating this aspect of love. Um, my father-in-law, his name's Frank, and every time he comes to visit, I, I really like it because he showers us with gifts, and it's totally awesome. The first time he came to visit, um, one of our cars had broken down, and he's a mechanic by trade, and so I was like, oh, this is perfect. He came up, and he's going to help us fix the car. And so we walk into the garage, and the car is there, and he's like, okay, where are your tools? And I point to a corner of the garage where there's a cardboard box with tools in it. Now, he's a professional mechanic, so he's used to, like, nice tools in nice tool boxes. He sees my cardboard box, and he asks, what is this? And I said, it's my toolbox, like, thinking I was clever. Like, it's literally a box with tools in it. This is a toolbox. And he did not like that at all. And so he's like, you know what, let's, uh, let's go uptown. And I was like, okay. And so I didn't really know, like, what was happening. Um, we were just, like, driving, and I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. We ended up at Home Depot, and he grabs a buggy, and we just start walking up and down aisles. And he just starts, like, grabbing it and putting it in the basket and all sorts of things. And he's like, oh, you'll need one of these. And he's like, you might need two of these. And just, like, tons of things in the basket. We get to the checkout, and, and in, the, in my mind, I'm thinking, I know he's going to pay for this, right? <laughs> like, like, I don't think I can afford all these tools. And so I'm, I'm sort of one of those things where it's like you get to the checkout, and you're like, oh, uh, do you want me to... And you're sort of like feeling around for your wallet. And he's like, no, I got this. And I was like, oh, good, thank you. And he's done that every time he's come to visit. Uh, when Luna and I first got married, we were living in a, a condo. Um, and so he bought us the tools in the toolbox. And, and we were able to work on our cars, and that was great. When we moved into our, our home that we were at now, he came, and he was like, we need to go to Home Depot. And I was like, yes, we do, because I had started to learn, like, I know exactly what's happening, and we're going to do this. And so we get to Home Depot, and he's like, now that you've got a yard, like, you're going to need a mower, and you're going to need a weed eater, and you're going to need a blower, all these things. Like, I would have been happy with a rake and a shovel. And he was going so far above and beyond because it's in his heart to give good gifts and to bless his children. And so we're going through Home Depot, and he's just like, oh, you've got to have one of these. And... And still in this sort of poverty mentality, still like trying to unlearn some false things about love, I'm looking at like the, like the, the $5 rake, and he's like, no, 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 we're going to get you this uh, like gasoline-powered blower. Like it's going to be the best one on your block. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And so he like puts that in the car and then we're in the cart, and we're looking at other things. And, and I'm like, well, I could probably just get by with this. And he's like, no, 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 you're going to need this one. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And so God is showing me like over and over using situations and people and, and even his word to show me that I've, I've been viewing such a, a partialness of love, such a small fragment of, of the hugeness of God's love for me. And when he says I've 
always loved you. It's with a love that I still don't fully understand. And it's with a love that is, that is unyielding and unbending even in my worst moments. And it's so incredible. But for many of us, like the Israelites, we, we retort and we say, really? How have, how have you loved us? Sometimes in our hearts it's hard to really understand how has God loved us? Because we feel like much of what we've done has been by the sweat of our own brow or like, you know, we sort of picked ourselves up by our bootstraps. Maybe we don't see God's hand in our situations or maybe we're going through some really tough times. And maybe to be fully honest, we're angry with God. And God's saying, I've always loved you. And we're thinking, really? Like, I'm having a hard time. This isn't going right. Job's not going right. Family's not going right. And we're looking like, really, this is how you loved me? But then he goes on and God, and God responds and he says some other things and, and he talks about how he loves us. But in our heart, we're still asking, really? Like, I don't, I don't really see it. And I run into this often with our, with our youth, with our young people. They get into the season that's really hard for them. And, and parents, I'm sure it's hard for you too, where they don't fully understand. There's this disconnect that sort of happens, this gap that grows between them and their parents. And, and we talk about parents loving them and they're like, really? Like, how do my parents love you? How do my parents love me? And I'm thinking, you don't see it? Like, and, I, and I sit down with them, and I'm talking with them, and they're like, yeah, I'm just really fighting with my parents right now. And I'm like, why? And they're like, my parents don't get me. And I'm like, well, I mean, you talk funny, and like, you dress different, and like, I'm sure there's a lot of things they don't understand, but, but understanding in itself isn't terrible. And they're like, no, my, my parents don't love me. And I'm like, really? Like, like they don't you know, let you sleep in the house? And they're like, no, they let me do that. They don't feed you? Well, they do that. They don't buy you clothes? Okay, well, they, they do that. Not always the clothes I like, but, but they buy you clothes? Yeah, they buy me clothes. And we go through this whole list, and at the end of it, they're like, I guess they kind of like me. And I'm like, you don't see it at all. And as easy as it is for me to point it out in them, I'm now realizing that, like, I, sh- I should have been able to see it in myself. The same sort of mentality of, like, God says he loves me, and I'm like, but How? And he's like, don't you see, like, all these things I, I did for you? And I'm like, well, you did some of those, but I did some of those too. And, and he's like, no, 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 I did all these things. And I'm like, oh, you do love me. And every day I'm waking up, and when I'm looking for it, I'm finding it. But like a teenager, when I'm stubborn and selfish and I'm not looking for it, I don't see it at all. And so tonight I want to I help look at it in a few verses. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and verse 10, John is writing, and he says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take take away our sins. So even if you take everything else off the table, at the end of the day, we've still got that. And that's incredible. That in and of itself is, is pretty monumental. That God would give up his godness, his superpowers, he'd become a man, and he would lay down his life in my place. That's so remarkable. That's so phenomenal. That's a, a measure of love that I'm still trying to learn. And it's so, so great. This passage continues on in, in verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. So Malachi says this. He says, I've always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really, how have you loved us? And then the Lord responds, 
And he says, this is how I showed my love for you. And then taking that Old Testament, looking at it through the New Testament lens, John sort of finishes the sentence for him and says, he loved us by laying down his life for us. And then continues that, but that love isn't, you know, just so that we feel warm and fuzzy. It's the fuel that helps us to love others. And so this is so incredible. Tonight, one of the things I want to challenge you with, maybe uh, I assume that there's sort of two, two camps, people like myself who, who sort of know that God loves you but didn't really understand the depth or the, or the weight of it, how much he loved you. And then there's others that maybe, like, you don't understand, like, that he loves you at all. And that's cool. Like, we want to continue a conversation about that. But I think that regardless of which type of person you fall into, love has to look like something. When I talk about loving Ryan Kate or loving my wife, that love doesn't just end when I say that I love them. Like, it, it spills into so many other different areas. Love always looks like something. And so whether we're loving God, God's loving us, or we're loving other people around us, I want to challenge you to begin to think, like, what does your love look like? Uh, I believe it's Gary Chapman that wrote the book about uh, love languages. Is that right? Okay, good. He wrote the book about love languages, and so he says that there's five basic love languages. There's um, uh, acts of service, there's physical touch, there's quality time, there's words of affirmation, gifts. Thank you. Yes, I was like, okay, I know most of them. Okay, gifts. And so there's all those. And so he writes that love looks like one of those things, that when you're loving a person, you're doing one of those things. And so maybe for you, maybe you're a gift giver. Luna's a gift giver, and she gives incredible gifts. And so she'll spend weeks before, like, whenever the birthday or anniversary or Christmas is, thinking, like, oh, what am I going to get them? Like, how can I do this? And, oh, they're super into this, so I'll get them this. And they'll absolutely love it. And people do. When they open Luna's gifts, they're always like, this is the best thing ever. I love it so much. I'm going to wear it, use it be about it every day. When I give gifts, it's like the day before, and I'm like, oh man, like that's tomorrow, isn't it? And I'm running out like, what, here's a card and like an IOU for like something nice. I'm not a good gift giver, but I'm pretty good with quality time. Luna's mom did something with Luna that uh, we've adopted in our relationship. Luna would come home from being at school or working or whatever, and her mom, who was very like quality time, We'd be like, Luna, I just need five minutes. And so they'd sit down on the couch, and they'd spend five minutes. And they wouldn't be interrupted, and they wouldn't be on their phones, and they wouldn't do anything else. They'd just be together. And so for Luna and I, that's our, our saying. That's what we do is five minutes. Like, Luna, I just need five minutes. And it's not that she wouldn't give me more if I asked. It's just that we're going to be intentional about these five minutes. And even though they're, they're few and maybe it's not ours, it's so much more quality over quantity. So for us, like, five minutes is huge. We'll do Five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening and five minutes whenever we can. And it means the world to me because I'm, I'm quality time in that way. But for other people, it's words. And so maybe you, you see that they're having a rough day and you're able to lift them up with your words. You're able to speak kindness and, and call out the life that's inside of them, the gold that's inside of them, and speak prophetically and bring those things out. Maybe that's what you're able to do. As you're thinking about loving people and being loved and loved by God and all those different ways, maybe your love looks like that. Or for many of you, I know you've shown up tonight to give of yourself with Dinner at the Rock, to which we say a huge thank you because you are actively loving our community. You're loving our church and our city and our county and this region. You are loving it so well by giving of your time, talent, treasure. You're showing up and you're saying, yeah, I want to be here. I want to do this thing. I want to make relationships. I want to love on people, whether it's with words or actions or whatever. And you're doing that so phenomenally well. And we're so blessed by that. I was, 
ecstatic to walk in and see so many people in the atrium before the night had even kicked off. People were showing up early. I was in the offices, and Pastor Jim walked through, and he's like, one of the volunteers is here. And we were like, already? Like, all right, they are, they are excited to love on some people. And that blesses us so much as, as the pastors here and as the staff. We are so excited to see you guys coming on board because as God is loving you, as you're understanding what that looks like, as you're receiving that, and then pouring that out on the people in our community who are hurting and, and maybe feeling hopeless in a season, you're able to bring them some hope and bring them some much-needed love, and that's so phenomenal. So again, we want to say thank you so much for those of you who helped tonight. And if you've joined us, if maybe you're new to The Rock and you don't understand all this or, or even what we're doing here, but you enjoyed the chili and it was tasty, um, we want to say that there's a God who loves you so much, and he is so, so crazy about you. And that same story that I told about how emotional and how loving I got for my daughter, he feels like that about you every moment of every day. And those are things that, as I think about it, it's just sort of like, really? Yes. God says, I've always loved you. Always loved you. And so that's incredible. Um, the worship team is going to come back up. We're going to worship some more. We're going to engage with God. Um, we've talked about him loving you. We've read where he says loving you. But there's nothing like connecting with him directly. I, don't, I can only be the middleman for so much. Um, but tonight what I want to do is I want to create a moment for you to connect with God personally. And so if you would, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to say a prayer over you guys. And then we're going to enter back into worship. And I'd encourage you just to sort of take an introspective moment. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And this isn't anything spiritual. Nothing happens better with your eyes closed. But for a moment of privacy and, and personal introspection, I want you to search your heart and ask God if you've really allowed him to love you the way that he wants to. If you've really seen his love in the way that he's poured out. Maybe you've been like that teenager that says, really, how, how have you loved me? Or maybe you've been like me where you just had learned some, some love things that were, were wrong. You were projecting those on God and God saying, I don't love like that. My love is pure and spotless. Father God, we are so excited to learn more about your love. But Lord, not just for knowledge's sake. Lord, we want to learn more about your love so that we could be filled with it and so that we could be more loving. Lord, I pray that tonight, as we sing songs to you and about you, I pray that you would move powerfully in our heart, that you would begin to awaken love and to illuminate the love that you've poured out. Lord, I pray that tonight would be a, a defining moment for those who are far from you, that they would be drawn to you by your love, and for those who know you well, but maybe, like myself, have projected some, some wrong versions of love on you, Lord, I pray that you begin to correct those things in our heart and in our mind. Lord, I pray that we begin to love fully and to love deeply with each other, with the people in our community. And Lord, I pray that we would open ourselves to be loved well by you. That we wouldn't walk in this poverty mindset that says, oh, I'm not worthy of it. And oh, he, he loves them, but he couldn't love me. Lord, I pray that you would break that off tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with us and we'll worship.